listening to the Always Be Booked Caribbean Cruise and Orlando Vacation Cruise Cast with your host, Tommy Casabona. All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Always Be Booked Cruise Cast show coming to you not quite live from Orlando, Florida. I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to find, download, and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. I want to ask you guys, as usual, at the top of the show, please find us on Instagram. That is Always Be Booked or ABB Cruising. What you'll see on there is a bunch of pictures. Actually, it was a little bit busy. May have to apologize to those of you that are on Instagram and have been following me the last couple of days because I did get kind of crazy. I had a little trip to Miami and uh, try to keep up with the usual stuff, you know, the Monday motivation stuff and all the other things that we do on Instagram. But I also wanted to make sure... I put together a full uh, recount of what happened when I went to Miami, so you'll see a little bit more activity on Instagram than you normally do. On iTunes, this is the important one, ladies and gentlemen. If you could, please find us uh, under podcasts, always be booked. If you have it on your iPhone, you could just download the podcast app if you don't have that already uh, and find us by just typing in the search bar, always be booked. And a new, uh, I guess, given a little bit more attention to lately is the YouTube channel, which is also, guess, always be booked. You got it. Uh, We put a St. Martin video up. If you guys heard the last podcast, it was actually a port profile of St. Martin and we dove in deep about some of the things that, uh, you know, the attractions. And if you listen to it, uh, if you watch it, go to Always Be Booked. And you can see under the videos, I only have like eight or nine videos up there. So if you see the one where it says uh, St. Martin, you'll be able to get a good feel of what we were talking about on that particular episode. And there is a area on that episode, on that uh, actually that YouTube video, where you'll hear the cab driver talking. Uh, the video isn't great during that brief portion of the video. He was on the video, and he was speaking, and he was pretty entertaining uh, for most of the cab ride that I went on. This wasn't even a tour. I took a tour, but the cab ride was more informative and more entertaining than the tour because, uh, you know, this guy was just great. He was just speaking candidly about his passion for his island, and it was really, really cool to listen to and be a part of. All right, what else? We got the 12 Days of Cruisemas, still trying to circulate that. We haven't hit 1,000 views yet. I'm hoping to pump that and make it a little bit more viral than it is for the holiday season. Worked pretty hard on writing those lyrics and uh, putting the song to video on YouTube. You could also find that on the YouTube channel. I'm going to play it again. You know, For those of you who heard it last time, I do apologize. Just skip ahead if, you don't like to, if you'd like to not hear it again. But it is the final show before the holiday, before the Christmas holiday. And I want to make sure it gets out there one more time. And again, you could find the video version of it, which is way more entertaining on YouTube. It was actually made for the purposes of being able to put on YouTube to kind of have each picture that applies with each, I guess, day of Christmas kind of pop up in sort of a montage like I've been known to do. Uh, Like I said, I'm just going to pay a little bit more attention to the YouTube facet of Always Be Booked, and you'll see a bunch of stuff on there. You'll see some crap on there now, just some nonsense, some B-roll, some montages that I put more time into, whatever else kind of comes up and you are bored at work and you want to check out the YouTube channel, you'll see a lot of stuff that is kind of, if you're if you're a cruiser and you're an avid cruiser, you'll find it really, really entertaining. You know, there's just one, is, I labeled it nonsense. It's just us in the room is an ocean view room and the seas were pretty high and we were kind of uh, talking about just nonsense again, like I said, from the night before at dinner and then uh, really kind of... <laughs> 
having some fun with the waves hitting the windows and stuff like that. Well, let's get right into it. We want to talk about, I went to Miami the last couple of days. I had business to take care of there, work-related, regular job-related. Uh, and while I was there, I figured I would just at least get a little bit of a uh, tour or just see the sights a little bit. One thing about it is, man, it's still hot. Even here in Orlando, Miami, wherever, still mid-80s, man. Uh, I heard the temperature is supposed to drop tomorrow, so that is good news i know you're not feeling sorry for me i don't i'm legitimately not saying that to rub it in but yeah i'm just kind of waiting it for down waiting it for it to get down to like 65 70 something still mid 80s in late december we had a couple of flashes of it getting cooler but uh and you think you're out of the woods and you know what you can put on the jeans maybe grab it no but you know you it's hot it's still just freaking hot man but hopefully uh it's gonna just be a little bit more of that reason why you move here in the winter, that 70, 75, 65 degree weather. So let's talk a little bit about Miami. So everybody talks about South Beach this, South Beach that. Uh, I experienced a little bit of a couple of different areas. Then they're, they're very popular, but maybe if you're not from Miami and if you're a tourist and you go to South Beach uh, religiously or you go to you know, some of the more well-known tourist destinations, these may not be on your radar as the locals in Miami are, are squirming right now because they probably don't want you to know about this stuff. But there's a area called Brickell, and it's um, downtown, the main entertainment district in the Brickell area, and it's pretty much you can't miss it. They have hot spots uh, for night shenanigans like Baru, Blue Martini, Tavernia Opa, uh, and some others. And more, you know, they have an Irish pub. Um, they have great places to eat as well. They have a burger and beer joint. They have a Rosa Mexicana. They have a sushi spot. They have a Brother Jimmy's. They have a P.F. Chang's there, too. They have a bunch of retail spots as well. It's one of those real, if you see the Dime a Dozen, I don't say Dime a Dozen, but they're all still throughout Florida. West Palm has City Place. Palm Beach Gardens has one. You'll see them all around. Uh, do they have one in Fort Lauderdale? I don't see one in downtown Fort Lauderdale as much as uh, just like the Riverwalk and Las Olas and the uh, A1A strips, but... Uh, in a lot of places in Florida, they're building these, I guess, developments where you can live, you can eat, you can party, you can shop, and this is one of them as well. So it's in the Brickell area, as I said before, and man, it was hopping like Saturday night. <clears throat> we went by, I went by there, and uh, there was a ton of partying going on, and uh, you know, I was checking out a few places, and I was just kind of walking around, just kind of seeing the sights, but people come out, man, Miami, man, they don't mess around, you know, in a lot of other cities, even in Florida, you'll see a lot of people that, you know, get dressed up, and have the watches on, and the uh, cologne, and the hair gel, and the button downs, and the girls will have the beautiful dresses, and the fresh off the beach, or the salon tans and everybody's looking good but a lot of cities in florida you'll also have you know the kind of come as you are people who kind of just dress up put that nice tina clean but you know they're you know have a, just a regular pullover shirt collared shirt or t-shirt nice t-shirt maybe some some jeans or some khakis or whatever not around here miami does it big you go out in miami you pretty much have to dress up unless you're just literally going to a complete dive bar Everybody comes and they bring it. You know what I mean? So uh, that was one thing I noticed about this area. People, it's not for, if you're looking to have a casual night out, it's, I'm sure you can do it in Miami. Of course you can do it somewhere in Miami. But for the most part, people in Miami like to dress up. And they are, you know, whether they're tourists or locals, they're going out. The girls are in full-on makeup, 
full-on dresses, accessories, and everything. Guys, too. The black on black on black shirts and just Miami style. They're just going out to look good. They're dressing to impress. Good for them. But that was a cool little spot to know that there that exists downtown. If you have a hotel, if you're only in for a night, you don't necessarily have to go to South Beach to have yourself a good time. What else? The next day, I woke up and also downtown, and we're talking downtown right now, right on the Bay Side, there's a place called the Bayside Marketplace. And this is, man, what a great time this place is. Restaurant after restaurant, fresh seafood, you know, you have Italian, you have Latin, you have uh, chain stuff, you have the Hooters, you have your uh, Hard Rock Cafe. Tons and tons of options for dining, shopping, and it's a daytime thing for the most part. It goes on at nighttime. I was there during the day, so that's why I'm saying daytime. But really, really bustling during the day. Tons and tons of options. Right right on on the shore. It's right on the shore of the bay. So... On the same boardwalk, you can rent boats, you can take tours, you can uh, you know, get those tours that take you and show you the famous people or the rich people's houses, or you can do fishing tours, you can rent your own boats, you can rent your own jet skis or whatever you want to do. Uh, the common area of the, uh, what is it called, the, base, the Bayside Marketplace has uh, live music going on all day, fresh seafood, just a great place to party, Fat Tuesday, everything, just a great, great place to have a good time during the day. Really, really cool atmosphere. So those two things I would absolutely recommend down there. Also, South Point Park. Now, I found this place because, you know, we're talking about cruising here for the most part. And I knew that there was going to be a ton of ships in port on this particular day. And I wanted to see where the best place to watch them was. Now, this is crossing over. It is literally at the mouth of South Beach. It's the most southmost south south point of south beach you'd have to take a cab there and uh technically i was on south beach and you're on south beach if you go to this south point park um but it isn't where all the hot spots and the hotels and the art deco and the pastel nightclubs and bars and restaurants are it's south more it's more almost an extension of the um the marina and that's actually what it is it's the marina of miami beach and it's just huge with the boats, huge with, you know, everything else. But uh, what you do is you'll take a cab there and you'll enter through an area where is, um, what is it? Uh, Texas de Brazil and Montes is right there. So then you'll walk to the back and then you'll see the marina. You'll see all the boats and then you make a left and you'll walk up. You'll see a little mini boardwalk and you kind of continue and it opens up to a nice, beautiful park. Now, the minute you hit that park, you'll see the jetties on your right. So the jetties... Uh, continue out as you walk on the uh, boardwalk, and it's probably like a half a mile worth of just park, just grass and lawn, and uh, there's a snack bar, there's a hill that the kids love to play on, there's some fountains that the kids play in, and a little playground, there's also um, just, just tons and tons of families, couples, adults, groups of people that are just, you know, just friends, just picnicking and stuff like that on the um, on the lawn. And it's a really, real cool vibe. Again, like I said, it was hot as hell. But people were still enjoying themselves, having a good time, riding bikes up and down that little boardwalk. So as you go out, you walk past all of that on your left. And all that stuff is on your left. You'll come across a Smith & Walensky's. And, man, that is beautiful. Like, So you have, you're on two sides. So when you're walking the boardwalk, you'll walk right through it. On the left is the actual brick-and-mortar structure of Smith & Walensky's. You have an indoor-outdoor uh, setup with a bar as well as a restaurant. On your right, there's more seating. 
so that's closer to the water and you could sit watch the boats the cruise ships whatever watch them go by continuing on there's more park you'll see a ton of people having a good time there'll be people playing frisbee uh, and then you continue walking which is like i said maybe like another half a mile and you'll come to the pier and then you can kind of walk onto the pier the jetties are the whole way out you'll see the jetties on your right the whole way out the minute you walk onto the pier, you walk out maybe about 20, 15, 20 yards. On your left, you'll see where the actual beach of South Beach begins. I mean, and this was a crowded beach day. People in the water. People, not, it wasn't like, oh, it's December. We're not going to even know it's. No, it's December. People were out there. And this is more of a local spot. So mostly locals are in this area and they're swimming, they're, they're surfing, bodyboarding, uh, laying out on the beach, catching some rays. Then you could walk pretty far out on the pier. I'm going to say it's probably a good 40, 50 yards of pier that you could walk out on. Then you get to the end. The end of the pier, people are fishing. They're actually catching fish, too. It was kind of cool. Just pulling uh, families, too. Just pulling fish onto the pier. It was kind of cool, but it was really, really nice. And to the right of you still, obviously, the uh, the water, the, the channel that leads out into the ocean. Now you're on the ocean. Now you're at the end of the pier. To your left, you'll see. Uh, if you look on my Instagram, you will see pictures of this all illustrated. You'll see it all right there, uh, and you'll see a great, great shot I was able to get of the beach uh, and people just relaxing on the beach. What is the point of coming out here? Obviously, as you guys know, the Always Be Built to Cruise cast, I want to see me some cruise porn. So we're going to see some cruise ships that are coming out to sea, and that's where I kind of like waited it out to like, I was wondering, man, there's six ships. I figured maybe they'll start getting out of uh, getting out of dodging around 3 o'clock. But no, none of these ships had left. There was actually one. The um, Oceana left early. So I didn't even get that on, on video. But <clears throat> the Oceana left early. And nobody else left till at least, I think it was like 4.30, almost 5 o'clock. Everybody kind of hung in there. I guess, you know, turnaround day is no joke. Getting everybody on, getting everybody else off and making sure that, Everything's ready to go. You can't rush that stuff, man. You're going away for a while. You got to make sure everybody's uh, ready to go, and they absolutely did. And uh, you know, then they started going one by one. Uh, the Norwegian Breakaway. Then it was the uh, Navigator of the Seas. Then you had the Fathom. Then you had the Splendor. So they all ended up. The Disney, the Disney stayed in. There was a Disney ship out there too, and it wasn't. Uh, it didn't leave. There was also a Regent Seven Seas one that was on the other side. So there was five cruise ships lined up on the actual port in a row and then the regent seven seas was on the other side i never got a chance to look because while i was still on the mainland uh i saw the region seven seas but i didn't get a look at it from south point park so i don't know if it was actually just docked or it was uh leaving for a cruise i'm not really sure but uh it was really really cool it was a real cool cool thing to watch enjoyed it and then there was the jetties you can if you wanted to so you had the pier that went all the way out 30 40 yards 40 feet, i don't know whatever it was i didn't i didn't i didn't clock it with my feet so it kept going out and then the jetties if you wanted to go onto the beach and hit the jetties you could probably go another 50 yards into the water on the jetties and people were doing it again people fishing people just relaxing sitting on the rocks jumping from rock to rock Man, it was beautiful. Just so, just so nice, man. Leaving New York City, and uh, even even in Orlando, I love Orlando because it's just so festive and everybody's in such a good mood. And the Magic City, and there's so much stuff to do to entertain the tourists. But man, the natural beauty and the natural wonder of like, and obviously in Miami is not an island; it's part of the mainland USA. But it really does, man. When you're out on the beach it does have the crystal blue water not maybe not like some of the virgin island ones but the water is beautiful check out some of the pictures i definitely recommend you going on instagram and always be booked check it out 
I gotta tell you something though. That hotel, <laughs> I tried to go the cheap way out. You cruise a lot, you travel a lot. You know, it's Christmas season. You're trying to save money. Don't ever let them tell you. You know, you get what you pay for. The reality is that. And honestly, I saw a couple of hotels in the downtown area because I wanted to check out specific things in the area. Uh, so I wanted to be downtown. And uh, I was like, you know what? Christmas is coming. Let me go for this $70 hotel a night. How bad could it be? I'm a pretty low-maintenance guy, to be honest with you. Mistake, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, you know, this is a family show. It's not really a family show. I don't I don't define the show. You know what? Sometimes it's uh, you'll hear a curse word here and there. You may hear, you know, I'm not trying to act like this is a, a family show. But, yes, cruising is typically a... Uh, you know, a family type of experience. I don't necessarily want to make this a uh, a blue, as they say in the comedy world show. But, you know, you'll hear a shit. You might even hear an F word every once in a while. But um, uh, it's just to be honest with you, I'm going, to, I'm going up on the third. Yeah, get my keys in this hotel. And just to let you know what kind of hotel it is, uh, the hotel key was a freaking key. It wasn't a card. It wasn't a. It wasn't a room card. It was an actual key. The minute he handed me that key, I knew, oh, we're in trouble. So I get to the third floor, I'm carrying my bag, trying to find my room, and yes, it was awful. It was. It was just terrible in the hallway. Though the lobby wasn't so bad, you know. That's what I noticed they did. Just like the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. If you're in a Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City, shout out to Doug Cruise Radio. Um, you're gonna get a good deal there, and it's a great location. And the lobby is state-of-the-art, pristine, and gorgeous. But if you're going to get a room there and you're going to sleep in there, make sure you are above the eighth floor. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, should I just go far as Gump? <laughs> Whatever. So I go to th- the third floor. Upon the elevator opening, I'm, I'm walking through the hallway. Boom. Room to the right, people having sex. Loud. Just by the look of the hotel, I, I got to guess that there was some sort of a financial agreement made. Based on uh, you know, based on what I've seen for what I was hearing going on, so I go into the room and of course it's a dump. It's fairly as, as clean as you could possibly make this room, I would think. I looked around, uh, there was no weird smells. It smelled okay, but yeah, you could tell like the the walls have been drywalled over seventeen thousand times. I looked in the bathroom. I wasn't taking a shower in the bathroom, and I really did think about you know just. Uh, calling it quits, leaving, going to uh, one of the nicer hotels down the block. But I said to myself, go out tonight. I'm going to enjoy myself, get a few hours sleep, wake up, see the sights, and I'm going to go back to Orlando the next day. So honestly, I showered before the trip too. And it was a four-hour drive in a shuttle. So I showered before. There was not going to be a shower in this hotel. I I, I decided that the minute I got there. And then uh, I woke up the next morning. Freshened up a little bit, brushed the teeth, headed out, and yes, I did not shower, just cleaned up a little bit. Got back on the um, in the shuttle, Megabus actually, because my shuttle actually called me, not that you care about this, I'm all over the place here, but the shuttle called me and told me that they uh, they were having problems with the departure at 8 o'clock, so they'd have to do either 7 o'clock or the next day. Looked up Megabus, Megabus took care of it, and uh, it was all good. So uh, yeah, so that was the hotel. Overall... Miami, I don't think it would be a place that I would necessarily love to live. Even vacation-wise, there's a feeling about Miami that is just, it's its a little one extreme to the other. It's either complete destitute or it's complete, like, over-the-top, 
poshness. You know what I mean? There's, it doesn't have that Fort Lauderdale feel where, you know, you, you can kind of, you can have a good time. Throw on a t-shirt, jeans, you could have a good time and be out late. Miami's either all or nothing. What else? So that's it pretty, pretty much for the Miami trip. Uh, again, check out Instagram and check out, uh, you know, you, there'll be some YouTube stuff on that as well where you can see a little bit of a, ra- a wrap up. But again, I guess the whole point is you don't necessarily have to go to South Beach to enjoy yourself in Miami. You get a couple of days getaway if you live in Florida or if you live close or you have the means to kind of get out of Dodge for a couple of days. Go downtown. There's plenty of stuff to do downtown. And I would probably venture to say that it's a little bit more of a local experience, a little bit more of like, a, you know, an urban city type of an experience. But you could still really, really have some of the best of the best when it comes to music and entertainment food people watching everything and of course cruise ships check out the check out the cruise videos i mean it's like i mean that's that's a serious seriously busy port port of miami all right let's get into some of the a little bit on cruise news so what i'm also going to cover on this cruise cast is uh new york city and what i wanted to do was since it's around the christmas time of year and since i am going back up there and technically new york city is a cruise port i figured i would go into some of the new york city stuff and what i'm going to cover is some of the best stuff to do in new york city during the christmas season and then i figured while i was at it since i'm a local born and raised in new york I would give you some of the stuff that, you know, I recommend you do. And, again, this is going to be annoying because everybody's going to come out, well, no, you screwed that up. Or you, This is my list. My, guys, this is my list. This is what I think you should do. I grew up there. I spent freaking decades there. <clears throat> I'm very, very familiar. And we all have different tastes. And we're going to get into the, some of the stuff that I think – I don't know why I always disclaim everything. Shout out to Beatrix. She always says i got to stop disclaiming everything or saying this is – whatever. It is what it is. Uh but she's probably right a little bit. This is what it is. You guys are listening to my podcast, so you probably already know it's my opinion. You're going to agree with a lot of it. You're going to disagree with a lot of it. And uh, we probably should just leave it at that, right? All right. Well, here we go. All right. Some uh, cruise news. Carrie Underwood. Her last name always entertained the hell out of me. It sounds like a it sounds like a, a, a like a dirty knock knock joke waiting to happen. Just leave that there. She's going to perform on the Carnival Imagination. They have an intimate dynasty lounge aboard, and she's gonna uh, she's doing a, not a a tribute show for the troops. It's invite only, and she's doing it in the uh, Southern California area, and she's gonna be also performing on the the Carnival Imagination Catalina Island as it's docked on April fourth, two thousand seventeen. It's gonna be a four day cruise that departs out of Long Beach. And uh, it should be a great time. It departs on April 2nd, but the actual show is going to be on April 4th as part of the Carnival Live experience. Carrie Underwood is getting on board, literally, with the Carnival Live situation. And that's one of, if not the biggest name that they've probably had. Uh, I guess it, I guess there's a lot of big names. It's kind of, I guess, more speaks to who you're interested in as far as comedy or music. But Carrie Underwood will be on board, and that is a Great, great, great thing to get a hold of. Really unique. I don't think she has a bunch of dates scheduled, but you know this might be the only one. When her and Miranda did that uh, something bad video, damn, that's two country divas back and forth, head to head. 
All right, switching gears, Grand Bahama Shipyard is in the news. I guess it's pretty impressive for them. They had 20 cruise ships in 2016 that were docked in the Grand Bahama Shipyard that were receiving some sort of TLC, whether it was dry dock, whether it was um, a refurbishment, whether it was repairs, whatever it was. That's 20 cruise ships uh, all year long, which is extremely, extremely high for them. And actually 23 are scheduled for 2017. Some of them were the Liberty of the Seas, the Adventure of the Seas, and the Jewel of the Seas, in addition to the uh, Azamara Journey and the Celebrity Summit. Those are all out of the RCCL camp, Royal Caribbean ships. Royal Caribbean, you know, the uh, you know, obviously they had the three that are Royal Caribbean ships, but Azamara and uh, the Celebrity Ship are not... Uh, Royal Caribbean, but they are under the, they're owned by Royal Caribbean. You also had the Carnival Cruise Line. They dry dock seven ships at Grand Bahama. You also had P&O Cruises, who is under Carnival. The Adonia, that's where they converted the Adonia into, from the P&O. And the Adonia was a small ship, but a really, really popular ship with, a, with P&O. They converted that into that unfortunately discontinued Fathom operation. They really had a lot of high hopes for that Fathom. And it's crazy because, I don't know, if people just, whether it was the people priced themselves out of that because they were expensive going on these relief missions, whether it was half vacation and half kind of, you know, I guess charity work on, you know, going on basically missions to help, whether it's teaching people, whether it's digging wells, whether it's physical help or whatever they were trying to do. I thought it was a great, great idea. Uh, I just, I would have done it. What did hold me back was how much they were charging, I would say. Uh, I would probably still would eventually pull the trigger, but when you're looking at all these other cruises and how you can really get some good deals out there, it's just tough to pull the trigger on the $2,500, $3,000, four or five-day cruises or however long they were to either the Dominican Republic or Cuba. And to be honest with you, I wasn't going to the Dominican Republic. If you can do this type of cruise and uh, choices between Cuba and the Dominican Republic, I think most people probably would pick Cuba, and I think that was part of the problem. Everybody just wanted to go to Cuba as well. Uh, I don't know if there were any other reasons. I just like, It just didn't do well. It's just people were not buying it, and I was really surprised at that. If I figured a lot of people with a lot of money and you know people who wanted to be charitable, who just give their money to these certain charities, why not actually do that by booking a cruise like this where they can do it and kind of be a little more hands-on and get a great vacation and get to cuba i mean now cuba over the coming years you're going to see is going to be opened up and more people are going to go there but you know when they first introduced the fathom it wasn't like that it wasn't a bunch of but either way fathom's going to be uh gone and they're put, taking that Adonia ship which is the Fathom right now and converting it back to the P&O brand to the Adonia. I wonder how interesting that's almost like the Jay, the Jay Leno situation where they tried to put him on at 10 o'clock and uh, then they put him back at 11.30 and Conan O'Brien failed miserably and you know you made the mistake do you cut your losses or do you just kind of double down and go back and hopefully the Adonia, I mean maybe people love the Adonia at a P&O so you know go back to uh, across the pond and Hopefully, people will enjoy it again. It's not a tough ship to fill, too. It's only like an 800-passenger ship. So even more of a weird situation and why I would question that it would not It would fail as Fathom. But I saw her yesterday. I saw her. That was the second time I saw her. Also saw her in Miami when I was leaving on the Splendor on that same Hunt cruise back in October. But, yeah, it's a really nice ship. It's a very, very nice little compact, smaller ship, obviously, but it's a beautiful ship name of the company is Grand Bahama Shipyard Limited. So I guess what I'm hoping is that 
this creates some more jobs and you know the economy flourishes as a result of this and possibly maybe they could put some more improvements into the port it's almost like the uh, Grand Bahama cruise ship port is almost like the Chicago Cubs prior to this past year which they obviously won the World Series of cruise ships or whatever bad team the Jets maybe you want to say the Jets uh, the Knicks too of cruise lines uh, cruise ship ports because people just say it sucks I don't think it sucks. I think it's an underrated port. The truth is you're not going to have a good time if you just stay right near that port. The only bad part is you have to go, you have to get in a cab, and you have to take the 11-mile trip to Port Lucaya. You know, once you get to Port Lucaya, I think there's a ton of stuff you could do. You have those shops that are out there. You have the uh, plenty of excursions you can sign up for, some really good restaurants, a lot of duty-free stuff. And to be honest with you, that is the best. That is my first snorkel experience in my life, and to this day, still the best. And a lot of people will say, "Well, yeah, it's because you're first. You were, you know, you're, you're looking at it with through rose-colored glasses, and you know, whatever." No, it's the truth because I was on this thing and I was mesmerized by the fish that I saw. Uh, it was so many. The reef was just out of control, right out of Port Lucaya. When we came up, I did. I I spoke to some of the other people that were on the excursion on the way back with the boat. They were just all felt the same way. And like even though they were prof- not professional, I'm sorry, experienced snorkelers, they were saying the same thing that wow, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to places in the Virgin Islands. That is some of the best best snorkeling I've ever seen in my life. So I was like, man, and as far as you know, you want to call it a, a jaded perspective or whatever. I've been snorkeling at least a dozen times since, and uh, I still have not had that same experience when when you're just talking about just the amount and the array of different fish that were just everywhere just it was like a it didn't look real it was nuts and i know that's what you get when you snorkel that's what you're looking for uh but it was it was hugely hugely exaggerated when i was snorkeling in port lucaya all right so moving on this is some sad news for me you guys all know if you've listened to the podcast you know that the carnival splendor is my home ship Carnival Miracle was the first ship I ever went on. Then I took a couple on Norwegian Gem. And then I realized there was a repositioning. And they took the Miracle out. I went on the Miracle twice, actually. Then I went on the Gem. Was really excited to get back on the Miracle. And they put this ship called the Splendor in the New York City port. And I was like, what is this new ship? I'm so happy and so comfortable with the Miracle. Why are they bringing this strange ship to my port? And uh, I got on the Carnival Splendor. And I've been on her five times. Um, I I can't get... (laughs) Sometimes I think you just shouldn't call the ship her. But anyway, so I went on the Splendor a few times and really, really enjoyed it. And I've just liked it more and more each time I've gone on it. And I just love everything about the Splendor. I don't know if it's because of familiarity. I don't know if it's because I'm just a sentimental, nostalgic guy. That is the ship I've been on the most. And that is the ship that I definitely enjoy the most. And I absolutely will do at least one more trip on the Splendor because... This is the situation. Carnival is going to take the P&O Australian new build. Now, Carnival Corp. owns P&O, so obviously a new ship was being built. It was supposed to go to P&O Cruise Lines. Unfortunately for them, Carnival is going to take it and make it a – they made the executive decision from a corporate standpoint to make it another Vista ship, the third. Uh, There's only one right now. Another one's being built, and this will be the third Vista ship, and – P&O will receive the Carnival Splendor instead. That's going to transfer all the way to Australia, and it will no longer be a Carnival ship. So 
it is what it is. People in Australia are pissed. They thought that they were getting a brand new, beautiful P&O ship. Uh, that new build was supposed to be directly for them. They're all running their mouths about saying, oh, damn, you know, we continue to be the graveyard or the junkyard for Carnival ships. When is Australia going to get the proper attention and the TLC from Carnival? Some interesting information about the Splendor that I didn't know. Uh, and I was uh, chatting with a, a, you know one of the listeners. His name is Carlos Ribeiro. Shout out to Carlos. And we had a cool little conversation via Facebook Messenger. And then I looked it up, and it, it all started to make sense, too, after he mentioned it to me. Carnival was never meant – I'm sorry. Sp- Splendor was never meant for a carnival. It was built to be – ready for this? The sister ship of the Costa Concordia. That, that's that's w- was fascinating news to me. I couldn't believe it. And you guys all know about the Concordia. That's the ship that sank off the coast of Italy a few years back. What is it now? Five, seven years back? It seems like a while now. You know, and it, coincidentally enough – the, the Splendor had a pretty good scare in 2010 when there was an engine room fire and it was dead at sea for a while, uh, lost power, and, uh, you know, that was a miserable, miserable experience for everybody on board. It's been a long time, so obviously obviously it's repaired back and better than ever. But uh, it's crazy that that seems like some people are saying, you know, that fleet is cursed. But it's crazy that, uh, you know, and then you look at it and you look at the ships and you study them a little bit, and they're not exactly the same, but you can see that, yes, they, uh, there's enough similarities in the in the skeletal structure of the ship where you can see that, you know, these ship, these two ships were similar enough that, you could tell that uh, they were sisters, and you can you can know by if the, another piece of evidence that points in that direction is that Carnival Splendor is the only ship in that class. It's a Splendor class, and it's there's only one ship. They never built another one like it. Why? Because it was never meant to be a Carnival ship. Uh, also, uh, you know what, what it was known for, and what it claimed to fame was from the outset was this is going to be. Carnival's best spot at sea. I think Car- I think Splendor did spend some time as the uh, largest ship in the Carnival fleet, but the claim to fame was that it uh, had an advanced spa, more spacious, more spa-friendly ship, and the spa cabins were introduced on the Splendor as well. But you're going to hear more about the Splendor in the, in the coming podcasts over these. This is actually this is not happening until 2019 anyway, but just to know that it is happening eventually. It's kind of sad for me. Anyway, speaking of poor Australia, Sydney gets the ovation of the seas. So I guess what Carnival is uh, lacking in Australia, uh, Royal Caribbean is making up for. So you're going to have the ovation of the seas. It just arrived in Sydney, Australia, and that is one of the biggest, baddest cruise ships in the world. It's actually the fourth largest in the world currently. It did dock in Sydney for sailings out of that port in Sydney. Come on, at least you got the ovation, you know? Don't cry over a carnival, you know? Eventually, eventually you'll get a carnival ship. I mean, carnivals, you know, like we talked about in the last few podcasts, they're not building ships at the rate of a uh, of, of a Royal Caribbean, but they are seeming to cook up a little bit more right now with this new build and with, you know, some of the other uh, ships that are coming out in the Vista class as well. Um, all right, so what are we, 30, 40 minutes in? Okay, what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about New York City on the holidays. I'm going there. I talked about Miami was just there. Like I said, this is a, a mostly a cruise show, 
and I want to stick to cruising most of the time. But since it is the holiday season, and since there is no other place to be than New York City for Christmas, in my opinion, my biased opinion, I wanted to get into a little bit of some of the things that you should probably absolutely do if you are going to find yourself in New York this year, next year, the year after for Christmas. New York City for Christmas is all about Rockefeller Center. That's where you want to be. No matter where you're staying, no matter what you're doing, you want to make sure, you know, obviously we're going to get into a lot of other New York City stuff too, just because I figured while we're doing this, we should step into that. But for New York City, you want to be in Rockefeller Center. Obviously, most people know about the giant Christmas tree that they do every year. They have the tree lighting. They have that thing that's uh, televised nationally on NBC about, you know, all the uh, – they have some of the biggest names in entertainment, uh, you know, commemorating that moment every year when that tree is lit. People are going to say it's cheesy. People are going to say it's played out. I don't care. You still got to do it. I'm a local. I've been there. grew up. We used to do it every year. Uh, now in the last <clears throat> six or seven years that I lived in New York City, I have to tell you that I worked right across the street, so I was forced to be there. I don't know if I would have went every year, but I'm telling you right now, if you're not from New York City and you're going to be in there in the Christmas time, you got to go and you got to stand by that tree. So you have a great area in there, and, and, and there's tons of stuff to do as far as if, you, if you're on Fifth Avenue. You absolutely want to walk up and down Fifth Avenue because it's right there. They go all out with the decorations. I don't know if you're into that or not. It's not necessarily my thing per se, but it is a cool experience. You have to Christmas shop anyway, and you do kind of get wrapped up. Again, you know, I'm a sucker for nostalgia and for, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a pretty festive guy. So, you know, you do enjoy it. You walk up and down, especially if you are with someone who necessarily is just visiting or not, you know, and you got, you got to shop anyway. So you might as well go in and you might as well grab some stuff while you get a nice little, I guess, you know, we're all sightseers. We're on this podcast. We do this podcast. We listen because we're cruisers. Uh, Vacationing and sightseeing and things like that are a huge play a huge part in our lives and this is no different you walk around fifth avenue and you could pick up some to get some errands done some christmas shopping done while seeing you know what is some of the best coolest i guess decorations and setups for christmas so enjoy that definitely while you're in the area uh there's crowds you know you're going to deal with the crowds if you're completely opposed to being in crowded areas yes i'm going to tell you don't do this this is not for you but i think you could hang in people walk in and the people if you just have the right attitude you go in you know you do your yoga in the morning you take your deep breaths you do all that stuff and you just channel your highest level of patience you're going to enjoy yourself if you're in rockefeller center you're going to want to be in the area of where the tree is. There's an ice skating rink right at the base of it, and people are skating all night. You can either hang around and lean over and watch the ice skating or get in line, get yourself a pair of skates, and skate because it's fun. The line isn't as bad. You want to be a part of it anything in life. You know what I mean? You don't want to be a spectator. Be a participant. Get on the freaking rink and skate around. Fall on your ass. Do whatever you got to do. Enjoy yourself. You know, you hear the music a lot better. The lines go fast. You'll see, when you're there, you'll see five or six people who get engaged right in front of you. You know, people do that from all over the world. They come to the tree. They come to Rockefeller Center. They come to the ice skating rink. Sometimes they'll do it right at the tree. And then you'll hear, if you hear a random huge applause break out, it's because somebody just 
took the plunge and decided to spend their rest of their life uh, with somebody. And, you know, they just walked the plank, however you want to call it, whatever you want to say. If you, uh, you know, it'll be on the ice sometimes. And then if it's on the ice, if it's set up, you know, the DJ will sometimes play like a wedding-related song like uh, I Think I Want to Marry You or whatever else it is. You'll hear the entire Mariah Carey Christmas album. You'll hear all the Christmas songs. And yes, I'm sick of Christmas music, just like everybody else is right around December 24th. It gets a little, you've been hearing it all month, and I know it gets a little old, but I'm telling you, not to be cheesy, I'm a, like I said, a jaded New Yorker. But you're in Rockefeller Center during the Christmas time. It really is enjoyable. You do get a good feeling, and it's like, you know, you just want to be there. Trust me. You'll you'll realize it once you get there. You'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, what else? If you're in that area, right across the street on 51st and 5th is the St. Patrick's Cathedral. You definitely want to go in there just for the architecture alone. It's not, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a religious thing. But if you are religious, if you are Catholic or you know, a Christian in any way. It is. It's. It's a. It's a spiritual experience just to walk in there. It's an incredible building. It's one of the biggest and most celebrated cathedrals on the face of this planet. And you go in there, and man, it's quiet. Man, it's just, just unexplainable feeling. You know, a lot of times we talk about whether we like we mentioned it. It seems like we've been mentioning it the last few podcasts. Whether it's floating around in the water. Uh, Koki Beach in St. Thomas, whether it's strolling around sunset in, in El Maro and San Juan, if you're just sitting at a pew in Saint, the St. Patrick's Cathedral and just taking it in, there's just some, there's just a quiet calm that it's crowded, it's, there's a lot of people, but it's just this overwhelming feeling that just creates a quietness, and it's just beautiful. So I recommend going into the St. Patrick's Cathedral if you're in that area. What else do they have in that area uh, all the time? They have well, not all the time, but they have the Christmas spectacular. If you're into that, uh, being honest, I'm not. I went once. Girl, I was dating desperately wanted to see it. She was really into dance. And listen, I know. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I'm the minority. I know this is a very, very popular thing. Through right after Thanksgiving, through halfway into January, they do three to five of these shows, and they sell out a lot of them, most of them, every single day. So there is something to this with those Rockettes. They kick the legs up and down. You know, Santa Claus comes to town. I don't know. I get a little – there's a storyline to it, but the story – it's not about the storyline. It's about the Rockettes. It's about the set decorations. It's about everything else. I kind of check out a little bit into it. I'm sorry. You want me to be honest? We're being honest here. I don't get so into the Christmas spectacular, but millions and millions and millions and millions of people do. So – Look into that. Do some research online. The Christmas Spectacular. You know, it's also one of those things a lot of people do just to say they did it. They saw the Rockets in Radio City at the Christmas Spectacular in New York City, Rockefeller Center during the Christmas season. Uh, why there? You have the Top of the Rock. We'll talk a little bit about the Top of the Rock later on. NBC Studio Tour is cool. Is cool there. You have Thirty Rock is right there, so everybody knows the show Thirty Rock. But in that building, it's tons and tons of shows, tons of new shows, tons of sports shows. Uh, you have SNL in that building. You have Jimmy Fallon in that building. It's probably on the East Coast, the main uh, area where there's TV filmed. Uh, you have the Today Show right there too. Where a lot of people like to go wake up early in the morning. If you ever wanted to be on national TV. All it's, all you got to do is wake up early and just get on the Today Show. You can absolutely do that. Uh, 
Now, where do you go from there? If you're looking to get out of that area, uh, which you probably are after doing all that stuff, you can walk either west and two blocks from there, you'll be at the mouth of Times Square, and you just have to make a left, and you can pretty much see the entire area of Times Square. Times Square is impressive. You've probably seen it on TV. You've probably seen it in pictures. But when you're there and you hear the horns beeping and you feel the cold air and you see those lights flickering with your own eyes live, yes, you know, a lot of people, eh, whatever. But for me, I like it too. I still like Times Square. Something else I want to say, ladies and gentlemen. All these, I mean, these snobs, these tourist snobs that shit on all these activities that you can do. Listen, I don't want to go there. People, somebody, somebody from Nebraska is going to fly into New York and not go on the Empire State Building. Why? Because it's too touristy. Guess what? Jerk off. You're a tourist. Okay? Stop. I look at these things online. You can see Time Out Magazine. Uh, here's what the tourists do. Here's the cool version of doing that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> if you, as I saw one that said, instead of going to the top of the Empire State Building, go to Brooklyn and go to Sunset Park and look at the view of Manhattan from there. Tell you right now, if you do that, you're a, you're a, you're a moron. Okay, go to the top of the Empire State Building. There's a reason it's so popular. There's a reason millions of people. Yes, while it's a little crowded, go there. For it's historic. You get the beautiful view. It's it's centrally located. It's the Empire State Building. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna spend thirty five dollars to go across the river, or if you're gonna try to navigate the New York City subway system to try to go to Brooklyn to some neighborhood that you've never? These people should be freaking brought up on charges for even suggesting tourists do this. Go in the go in the cab, go in a, to a, some neighborhood you don't know about. Honestly, I don't know how Sunset Park is. I know there was a point. I know all of Brooklyn seems to be turning over, and it's like Disneyland, you know now, but or the hipster capital of the world, but. Uh, there was a time when Sunset Park, you they, 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 you didn't want to be in Sunset Park day, night, or evening. I don't know how it is, but I'm still I'm not I'm not I'm not fully convinced that every shady person from Brooklyn is completely gone. You know what I mean? There's still some areas you make the wrong left turn that you're gonna have a problem. And what are you gonna do? You you don't know where you are. How are you gonna get out of there? So what I'm saying is, my point is, is that don't be uh, all these people. Oh, I don't do that because it's touristy. You're a tourist. I, I'm telling you right now, I do a lot of the touristy stuff. Why? Because what do they do? They do it right. They make it right. It's made for the masses, and you're not going to have any problems. I don't need to go to Brooklyn to get this authentic New Yorker experience and go to some park that I may or may not get mugged at or shot. Uh, I may or may not get lost. I may or may not. Well, you well, may or may not. You will drop either $35 for a cab fare or waste two hours in the subway trying to get there because you don't know exactly where you're going yet. Point is, guys, stick to the script. Stick to the basic stuff. Now, I'm going to list some touristy stuff, but I'm also going to list some you know, stuff that's on the cooler side of the touristy stuff. Uh, you know, you can. If you've been to New York... 15, 20, 30 times and you come here every year or you spend weeks at weeks here at a time or you've lived here for a while, yes, explore, do all those things. But be careful or, you know, do the other thing. The other thing I want to say is a lot of people don't realize, you, do you realize you, how fast you can go through $100 in New York City? Uh, I've been all over the country. I've been everywhere. And I'm going to tell you something right now. New York is a beast. New York will eat you whether you're visiting or trying to live. New York will eat you up and spit you out and separate you from your money. That's you got to be careful. You got to watch that. And I'm telling you that there is a way to do New York 
and you don't have to get banged over the head. People understand you're on vacation. If you're on vacation, you got expendable income, disposable income, and they're going to come for that income. You got to hold a stand. You got to take a stand and not get yourself shot, not get yourself lost, not waste a ton of time, and not drop half your retirement account in your trip to New York City. So a lot of that is what I'm trying to uh, talk about with you too, as well as kind of giving you some insider stuff that maybe only a local would know. Don't necessarily be scared off when somebody says this is a tourist place or a tourist trap you know what i mean i'm not tr- i'm not going to puerto rico on a cruise or i'm not going to st thomas on a cruise trying to act like i'm a local if you're a tourist know who you are that's honestly that's 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 cooler than walking into a place and you know trying to convince everybody you're a local um all right where are we at now so let's start off with the not necessarily christmas things to do in new york city the big red bus Take the big red bus if you've never, especially if you've never been here. It is a means to get to know the city. It's really, really cool to get the information. I'm gonna tell you right now. We were I lived in New York City all my life. The minute it start turns nice out, me and my friends sometimes let's get a big red bus. Let's just get it because you know you see all these buildings. You know, you don't have any, New York can be very overwhelming even if you live there all your life. You see buildings every day that you walk by that look cool. You don't know what the function of it is. You walk by this place. You know what? This was the first ever place X, Y, or Z ever happened right here. This is the place where everybody goes if they were. You know, it's nuts. So getting on those big red bus tours, we we've done it as a joke, kinda, but we still did it. We boarded one. You paid twenty five bucks or whatever it is, and you sit on the thing and you do the loop, and. You get a lot of cool information. You get a lot of cool sightseeing caveats from these tour guides that are entertaining and informative. But most of all, it's a great means of transportation. You don't want to ride the subway. I'm telling you, if you've been here a while, if you've been in New, I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm not like I'm like I'm there right now. I'm not there right now. I'm in Orlando, Florida. But if you if you've been to New York a lot and you know the subway or you know with somebody who knows the subway yes it's the fastest cheapest way to get around but that grid can be hectic knowing the transfers uh knowing which way to go sometimes it looks like a stop is right here but then you got to walk underground for three blocks to get to the transfer you know you're going to spend a lot of time you know not necessarily getting to where you want to go you're going to spend a lot of time in transit and 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 that's the, that's the one thing i don't like about new york city no matter what any way, shape, or form, it is a pain in the ass just to get from somewhere to another. You really have to have a plan. You really have to know whether you're working, living, uh, having t- recreation, whatever you're doing. Transportation in New York City is a pain in the ass. But there's ways to make it easier. So if you're a tourist and you're coming in and you're having a good time for a, for a weekend or a week or whatever – do not hesitate to take that big red bus, and the guy will tell you. He'll answer questions. He'll tell you where everything is. And if you want to get from – if you're in Rockefeller Center and you want to have dinner in Little Italy, then get on a big red bus. It may not be the most direct route, but you're going to get a cool little tour, uh, a cool little narration on the way, and you'll eventually get to uh, you know, wherever you want to go, whether it's the Lower East Side, whether it's downtown, whether it's the East Village, whether it's Little Italy – you're gonna you're gonna have gotten you know a good information and you're gonna get to where you want to go as well. So uh, what else? Don't do. Don't eat the stupid dirty water dog. Everybody's like, I want to go to New York and I want to have one of those corner hot dogs or pretzels. That don't do that. Don't. It's not. You're not. It's not a cool, authentic New York experience. It's just a 
hot dog that's a regular sabret that you can buy in this in in whatever local grocery store you're near and it just has sat in its same dirty water for freaking six days probably who knows and it's overpriced and it's a waste of time same thing with the pretzels they look nice and baked and they're hard they're hard as a rock you don't want them so i don't say don't eat street food but we'll get to some of the street food you should eat they're just guy in the corner with the shish kebabs and the you know the nuts and the dirty water dogs and all that stuff don't eat that stuff you don't you just don't need it and we'll talk about this like i said the street food that you should um central park i definitely recommend going to central park if you like ice skating and want more than just the christmas experience go to the woman rink uh you could also go to bryant park that's a bigger rink as well but it's just to me, Bryant Park is just a poor man's uh, less cool version of Rockefeller Center. There'll be a ton of people arguing with me about that. The Bryant Park is awesome. The neighborhood's great. The ice skating there is great. To me, if you're doing Christmas in Rockefeller Center, do it right. Go to Rockefeller Center. You know what I mean? Do it. I mean, New York City, just go to Rockefeller Center. You want to stop by Bryant Park? It is a really cool area. There's a really cool, you know, huge library in that area. Tons of shops. It's in a very, very central location. It's on 42nd Street, right around 5th Avenue. Check it out. But if you really want to ice skate, if you want the experience, go to Rockefeller Center because uh, of Christmas. But if you want a real cool and you want your space and you take your ice skating seriously, go to the Woman Rink in Central Park. Thousand percent, I say, do one of those horse and buggy rides. Yes, it's touristy as hell. They're probably miserable, but the horses are there. They're not going anywhere for a while, and uh, you get to feed them carrots. The guys let you feed them carrots, and why not? They're they're there anyway, so you can, especially in the winter, they give you a blanket, and you're going through Central Park, and you see some cool stuff. And it's winter, especially if, if it's snowing. It's a really, really nice experience. So I definitely recommend the horse ride through Central Park. Don't do the one in the street; that freaks you out. They get the horse ride where you walk around them. That that I mean, one of the one day one of those horses is gonna snap and start you know climbing over cabs and going to full on sprint down Broadway. I don't want to be there when that happens. I don't want to be a part of that. But. The horse through the park is nice. It's very relaxing, very peaceful. In Central Park, also the Great Lawn, if you're dealing with a summer situation, there's tons and tons of um, uh, concerts, performances, impromptu performances, impromptu art that's set up. Uh, People all over the place. I mean, there's no better place. People watching than Central Park in general. I recommend hitting up the Great Lawn in Central Park. They also have a Central Park Zoo, which is really cool. I definitely recommend going and checking out the seals in the uh, Central Park Zoo. Did that. That was kind of cool. Little Italy. A lot of people, I definitely recommend going to Little Italy. I would say for sightseeing, definitely. If you want really good Italian food, I wouldn't say Little Italy is the best place because a lot of the uh, places in that area have become commercialized and they're kind of run-of-the-mill. Yeah, I'm sure some are better than others, but... They're pretty much you're not going for fine Italian dining or really it's it's I don't think you get the best bang for your buck if you're looking to eat Italian food if you go to Little Italy. Interesting about Little Italy is that it used to be really big. It used to be several several blocks bigger than it is now. What it's been reduced to is pretty much Mulberry Street. And uh, if you go to uh, too far down to Canal, you eventually hit in Chinatown, which is way, way bigger. Chinatown has has grown, and it's eaten up a lot of what Little Italy used to be. A lot of people say that's 
said, you know, you'll get a lot of people say, oh, you know, the good old days when Little Italy was real, when it was really Little Italy and it was big and there was so many blocks to, 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 to walk around in the neighborhood and people who used to live there. Now, there's a counterpoint to that, you know. Little Italy is speaks to a time when Italian immigrants came over and they needed that. They needed that community. They needed that springboard to where adjusting to American the American lifestyle wasn't very easy. And obviously, as we know, Americans who have been here for a while, even though coincidentally enough they were all immigrants at one point – aren't always so accepting to the new batch of immigrants that are coming in. Little Italy was absolutely the reason, uh, you know, it was created for that reason because the Italians would come over and they felt comfortable. They would uh, a lot of times know people from their village or or area in Italy and they would all kind of, uh, I guess, gravitate towards certain parts of Little Italy and the city itself. You know, you had a lot of Italian neighborhoods. Some were Harlem, some were uh, some in Brooklyn, like Bensonhurst. And, you know, now what happened was, while they say it's sad because it has shrunk so much and been overtaken by Chinatown, that's kind of the idea of what America is. The reason it shrunk is because they became American. They slowly but surely never completely forgot but started cutting the ties a little bit more with their former country and started adapting the cultures of their current country. And they moved out. They moved. They got a lot of success. They planted their roots in Little, little Italy, but then eventually realized success. They flourished. They prospered. And they started moving out to places like Long Island, places in Queens, places like Staten Island once the Verrazano Bridge was finally built. And that was like a flood. Once the Verrazano Bridge was built... I mean, that's why they call it like Staten Italy because every uh, Italian in Brooklyn saw that as an opportunity to almost like a new frontier. And they started building and moving to Staten Island. And to me, it's a beautiful thing. You know, they just, we're not about, we're not, ideally when we're at our best as a country, we're getting deep here, huh? We're not about segregation and, you know, compartmentalization. We're about the better, the more we kind of melt as they melt, we're a melting pot. The, the the better we're going to be. And, you know, Italian people are all over the country now, everywhere, whereas they mostly started in certain small areas of this country, and they've adapted our culture. They've adapted the American way of life. And I think, to be honest with you, not to get political here, but I think that's all we're asking for. I think we're all we're asking for, for any new immigrant that comes in here, is, you know what, come here, be proud of where you're from, be proud of your heritage, but ultimately accept the American way of life. You know, I, that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't know. Is that a controversial statement? I don't know. Is it an ignorant statement? I hope not, but I'm not trying to be. What else do we have here? This is another cheesy thing, but again, we're talking touristy. I've still done it as a native. The dinner cruises. There's a couple of good ones out there. There's the Hornblower. There's a, there's a few of them. You can look them up online, and what they are is a, you board a beautiful yacht, and you do a semicircle around New York City. But it starts out with you kind of sitting there having some cocktails. They bring you out some food. You can come and go as you please. You can walk on the deck. You can sit down in your area in, in sort of like a – it's almost like a banquet-style setup. There will be a DJ. There's music. There's dancing. 
And what they do is they leave out of port. It's usually there's on the east side around like uh, 34th Street. There's a pier, and there's a bunch of piers on the west side. And, you know, you'll do like a little bit of a half loop. You'll go around to the other side of the island wherever you are, and then you'll do a lap around the Statue of Liberty, and you'll come back. And it's a really, really cool, cool thing to do. You get a beautiful view of the city. You get a beautiful, uh, you know, you get a decent meal. You get some good cocktails. It's a nice crowd usually that's on those ships. I'm sorry, not ships. They're they're yachts. They're not cruise ships. But, uh, you know, we're all cruisers here, so we all like connecting with the water, with the river, with the going to New York Harbor. You could see as far as your eye can see at night. Uh, it's it's a cool little thing to do, one of the uh, New York City dinner cruises. Again, there's tons of them out there. There's World Yacht. There's Hornblower. Those are just two. And those are two of the bigger ones, so I think you don't even have to look any further than those two. I know Circle Line is more of like a touristy type of, uh, I guess, informational guided tour rather than – but they, they have delved into the cocktail cruises, the Sunset, if you're not necessarily into eating. I don't know. Maybe they've developed – maybe they've added food as well, but – uh, to my knowledge, that's not their thing as much. Move on. All right, so Broadway show. You definitely have to do a Broadway show. Uh, I I am not – I'm going to tell you right now I'm not a Broadway show guy. I'm not one of those theater guys. I don't – I get a little bit bored, a little bit antsy. These shows are typically like three hours, but there's a couple of them that I absolutely love. Some of them I've seen multiple times. Uh, you know, whether Jersey Boys is really easy to sit through. I'm not – you know, a show tune guy. You know, I'm not. I don't have a passion for Broadway music, but a eventually you're gonna find a show you like, and b even if you don't like, even if it's just like some of these. Like I could tell you right now, I probably wouldn't love sitting through Les Misérables. I guess the content of it, the setting, all that stuff doesn't speak to me. I guess I don't. I still don't even know what it is. It's just hard to understand. I'm not a big Shakespeare guy. Whatever. It is. I know that. I know it's not Shakespeare, but I'm just not so into the, like the. Uh, not into the over-the-top Broadway, but some of the stuff that's out there, like the uh, you know Phantom of the Opera, I loved. Jersey Boys was out of control, loved it. You know, you do the basic stuff with Lion King, whatever. There's just something about these shows, all working together. It's a live show. It's not a movie where you can do you know five t- five different takes, ten different takes. It's not a TV show where it's recorded. This is some of the best entertainers in the world struggling their ass off. And these Broadway entertainers, most of the people you're seeing on that stage live in a small one-bedroom apartment and are having a couple of drinks after the show and are struggling to get by. And they're going to give you some of the best, most impressive entertainment you've ever seen. You're talking about you know, acting. You're talking about dancing. You're talking about singing. You're talking about the pit orchestra, the music, and the set. What goes on as far as you know the set decor, the direction, and having it how it all comes together, and at the end with that last number, man, when it, and they take their bows, it is breathtaking. You have to see it. Even like I can tell you, the first one I ever went to was Miss Saigon. I could tell you, to be honest with you, I spent probably about half of that show bored out of my mind. It was really cool when it started, but by the you know 45 hour in, I'm dying for the intermission to happen. And then you go in the intermission, you come back. It goes a little faster because usually the second half is the second act is a little bit uh, shorter than the first, and you kind of get back into it a little bit. And then at the end, you don't even care what the hell the thing's about. I mean, just 
the impressiveness with that finale, and then they take their bows, and just you see it's just an overwhelming experience in these theaters. In, uh, you just really, really enjoy it. I definitely recommend seeing a Broadway. Don't see a play, don't see an off Broadway show, even though there's a lot of them. There's a lot of really good ones out there, and they deserve a lot of respect. But if you haven't done a Broadway show yet, make your first one a real deal one. It could be pricey. But here we go. Sa- saving, uh, saving money standpoint. There's a TKTS booth. It's T- all caps TKTS. Look it up online. It's in Times Square, and you can go and you can get highly discounted theater tickets. Like I said, don't go. Don't let them send you to something downtown or off Broadway or whatever it else in some other borough. See one of the major shows. Do your research. Tell them. They'll, and there's people out there that help you. This program was basically started because of the fact that they wanted to. Um, they wanted to promote Broadway culture and all the actors, the struggling actors, the students. They wanted to provide an avenue where they could see Broadway entertainment at a reasonable price. So I guess a certain number of the shows don't get sold, and those tickets go to TKTS. And they get 30% discounts, 60, 70, sometimes 80% discounts. Obviously, right now, uh, you know, Hamilton is the high. You're not going to see Hamilton too much on TKTS. you got to pay a couple hundred dollars to even get in the building for Hamilton still right now. And it's been so long that it's been out there. That show is just a monster. But you can see plenty of good stuff, you know, really, really good shows that just have been out for a really long time. So the demand isn't as high at highly, highly discounted rates. So remember that TKTS booth in Times Square, and you can get some help. They have people out there helping you. They'll explain the shows. They'll tell you. You tell them what you want. Like I would say, just go there. Like I want to see like a really popular show that it doesn't matter that it's the newest and hottest one, but it's really, really good, been around for a while, and I can get my money's worth with a really good discount. I mean, just get an orchestra seat too. Get a good seat. I know there's not, there's not a really bad seat in the house in any of these theaters, but it's a different experience if you're in the first 20 rows and you know you really feel it when you can see the spit come into the actor's mouth as they're yelling and screaming, it's not to be gross, but you get a really good feel. I'd recommend doing that. Um, what else? Go to the Comedy Cellar. Don't go to Caroline's in Times Square. Go to the Comedy Cellar downtown. I think it's in the East Village. Uh, it's right around that McDougal Street area uh, off of Second Avenue. I don't know the exact cross streets uh, offhand, but... The Comedy Cellar is cool because it's a smaller, more intimate place. That's like the real deal place for New York City comedy. There's, I mean, New York City has tons and tons of comedy clubs. But the Comedy Cellar is almost like, you know, that place where, you know, you're legitimized if you play the Comedy Cellar as a, as a comedian. And if you're lucky, sometimes you'll go in there. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Louis C.K., uh, you know, people who are in town or, you know, will just pop in and they'll work out new material. They'll just kind of walk up, walk in, walk up to the owner and be like, hey, let me do five minutes. I want to work on some stuff. And, you know, who, who's the benefit of that? The audience on that particular night happens all the time. So definitely check out the Comedy Cellar. Another place is Criff Dog. Criff Dog, I mean, I guess we're getting into food, but we're going to talk a little bit about food in a little while. But uh, Criff Dog is not necessarily about the food. Yes, it's all hot dogs. So they have a ton of hot dogs throughout the place. They have a ton of ingredients. You can get it any way you want it. They have 10 thousand not ten thousand but i don't know 
dozens of different ways you can get the simple American hot dog. You can get it with guacamole. You can get it with bacon. You can get it all these different ways you can get hot dogs. And then inside also, there's a telephone booth. That telephone booth is not a telephone booth. It looks like a telephone booth, but really it leads to, it's not a speakeasy, but I guess uh, it gives the illusion of a speakeasy. It's a high-end craft cocktail lounge slash bar. Now, there's a door guy, and it's really, really cool to, you know, a lot of people don't know. They walk in, they just see a phone booth, but it really leads to a really cool high-end bar that you legitimately have to talk your way into. You can't just walk in and get a There's a door guy there who may or may not let you in. I mean, they're snobby as hell, but it's New York. You know what I mean? It's just this almost speakeasy type of feel, and there's a little bit of a certain level of pride you have if you can talk your way into this place. And once you do get in, it'll be a really cool vibe, and you'll get a really uh, good drink as well. What else? Go to a New York City sporting event. I know, guys, we're talking about a lot of basic stuff here, but again, this is still the stuff, a lot of the stuff I'd be doing if I was going to go back to New York. I don't care. I don't need to freaking, you know... Go to these far off places just because you know what? These are where tourists don't go. I don't care. There's part of being a New Yorker, you're amongst a lot of people all the time. And you know what? Those tourists and these people that are coming from all over the world, part of what makes New York great. So you can bitch about them, complain about them, you know, complain they don't walk fast enough. Oh, they're asking me directions. But these are the people that make New York great just as much as the actual New Yorkers themselves, in my opinion, at least. Go to a New York sporting event. I would absolutely. Absolutely uh, relegate this to two options, to be honest with you. The New York Yankees or the New York Knicks. That's it. Forget about football because if you're in here on a vacation, you got to go to New Jersey. And to me in general, we talked about football a few episodes uh, in the past and just the football experience is uh, going to the game. is just forget about watching it on TV. It's just become annoying enough. But going to a football game, dealing with just the animals that you know will buy tickets – for one out of an eight-game schedule, you just get a lot of drinks, a lot of drunks in cold weather. You probably don't have a good seat because football is so much better watched on TV, and um, I wouldn't recommend that. You got the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden, beautiful, controlled environment. It's really cool going to a Knicks game, whether they're good or bad, which is mostly bad lately. But what's cool about it is that you know you're you know why first of all, if you can get a decent seat. It's expensive. I know it's expensive, but my recommendation is look on the ends. I don't necessarily care that I have to be at center court. I just want to be close to the action. And if I can get within, you know, 75 to 100 feet, 50 feet of the action, I'm more pumped up as if I'm than if I'm, you know, a couple hundred yards away or 100 yards away sitting in the center court. You 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 can get this done by going on StubHub and looking at the the ends, you can almost be on the floor. You can look around. You could see. I, I've done this several times, and you can get tickets for in the hundred dollar range on the right night. And you get to these seats, and you're pretty much on the floor. And you get the feel for how giant these freaking men are. And you get a feel for the athleticism when you see the alley oops and you know how quick they are. And you feel. You hear the squeaking. You see the sweat. You, you just, it's a really really. Uh, intense experience, and you look across the across the room, and you see Howard Stern, you see uh, you know David Spade, you see Adam Sandler sitting there, and they're just all they are is the same place you are, just in the middle. And uh, they those tickets are you know two, three, five thousand dollars, sometimes ten thousand dollars for the bigger games. 
And then if you're talking baseball, uh, go up to the Bronx. You could go see the Mets, and that's Queens. But honestly, if you're going to go to New York, what do you want to do? You want to go? Do you want to go? Do you want to go back home and say, "Yeah, I went to a baseball game. I went to Queens and saw the Mets." Marty, how you doing, Marty? Chris Cancel, some of my favorite Met fans out there. But the for real, I mean, honestly, no offense, guys. You want to go back home and you want to be like, I went to the Yankee Stadium and I saw the New York baseball Yankees, the most rich historical team in the history of sports, play in the Bronx on 161st Street in River Avenue. No, I did not go to Flushing. It's a city field. I don't care how many good pitches they get that throw over 100 miles an hour. Do not go to Queens to see the Mets when the perfectly good Yankee baseball team is playing right up in the Bronx. I say that too. I'm going to be honest with you. I like City Field better. City Field is where the Mets play in Queens. I like the stadium better. You know, I'm an old school Yankee fan, and I'm just so pissed off they knocked down the old Yankee stadium. We'll leave that alone right now from now on, though. All right, so let's get into some of the food. Now, again, people are going to rip me apart for this because there's so I mean, when there's so many food options in New York City, uh, you can't win with people. People are going to, you know, it's, it comes down to a matter of what you like and what you want to spend and what you have time for and what you want to do. Let's get into it. Cat's uh, Deli. Definitely do Cat's Deli. It's on the Lower East Side. You give them a couple of dollars and they will give you a real New York experience between two pieces of rye bread. I'm telling you right now, this thing is almost six, six, eight inches high. And you're talking about some of the most delicious corned beef pastrami so moist so uh tender and you could you go online and it's a cool experience just going in if you watched harry and sally when harry met sally that's where uh, sally had that fake orgasm uh in uh what's her name um what's the actress's name whatever the what with uh, Billy Crystal, uh, she had that fake orgasm, and the old lady says, "I'll have what she's having." That happened in Cat's Deli, historic place, open since like 1850 something. Delicious. They steam the corned beef, and it's like a two three day process, and it's delicious. You can get a hot dog there, the best hot dog you've ever had. You can get corned beef, you get pastrami, you can get both, which is, uh, you can get a Reuben, get whatever you want there. As far as that's, and it's just some of you can, you can get service. Uh, from a from a waiter or a waitress, or you can just order at the counter and sit down. Cat's Deli, absolutely do not not go to Cat's Deli. Let's talk pizza. A lot of people have different opinions on pizza. Uh, I'll explain a little bit of the differences. You have first you have regular gourmet pizza, and you know that's some of the best pizza you're gonna get. A place called Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza, thin crust, uh, lots of ingredients. Uh, forward-thinking, delicious uh, gourmet pizza, which is, I mean, out of this world. It's delicious. You get like a real thin crust rolled with some prosciutto and some fresh mozzarella with some basil or like a real good, like, um, you know, uh, uh, some of these pizza places have just like 20 different gourmet-style pizzas, and it is absolutely freaking delicious. However, it's not traditional New York pizza, just so you know. You also have artichoke, artichoke basil. Uh, they have maybe uh, four loca- three or four locations. Uh, the owners had a show on, uh, I think, the Travel Channel or Food Network, one of them. Uh, this is delicious as well. Open late night, crazy spot. Like pizza you've never had before. Like spe- They have a signature slice is almost like a freaking spinach dip. It's a secret recipe that they have. But it's artichokes with basil and uh, cream cheese. And it's like no other pizza you've ever had. These guys are hardcore New Yorkers. These guys 
uh, or make a delicious product. This is a culinary experience, an artichoke basil pizza. They have five or six different types of pizza too. However, it's not traditional New York pizza. Now, if you want to go to a place like Zabaro's or if you want to go to Papa John's, what I'd appreciate, just turn this off. Don't I don't want you listening to my show. If you come to New York City and you have a couple of days here and you're going to walk into a Sabaro's and order a Sabaro's pizza or a uh, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, uh, whatever, yeah, you got to just, just little Caesars, turn this off because I, we, we're just now, we're never going to see eye to eye. If you want traditional New York pizza, you go to a place that you never heard of. They don't even go to Ray's. Don't even go to Ray's Pizza. That's that's almost you know, franchised and it's mass produced at this point as well too. Even though there's tons of different owners and this, they do specials on TV about who actually started, owns, and continues to operate Ray's Pizza. This the story is like more more complicated than I care to listen to. But first of all, the truth is the best pizza you're going to get is in the outer boroughs, even Long Island. Uh, you know Queens, Brooklyn. Uh, Long Island, Staten Island, these are the places that have the best pizza, uh, and there's some famous ones out there. In addition, if you're going to go eat pizza in New York City, it's not going to necessarily be a place that you've heard of. Don't go to 99 Cent Pizza either. That's not bad, but it's you could do way better than that. It's a place that you haven't heard of. It's off to the side. It's 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 it, It's got a name, but it's just somebody's last name usually on the front. It's got a bunch of pizzas that are laid out, a couple of regular ones, a couple of ones with toppings. Uh, you know, it's got the fountain soda in there. It's also got that bubbling punch. A lot of times they'll t- sell Italian ices. It's you walk up. They got the ovens right there. You grab it. You pay for it. You sit down. You put your oregano on it, and you freaking just you, know, you, you eat it. That's it. That's That's New York pizza. Some are better than others, but, again, they're not necessarily celebrated. They're not gourmet. It's not a, you know... It's not It's not something, you know, these places are not places you're going to read about on Yelp. Now, my version of the best of the best as far as that goes, it's 33rd and 3rd. That's it. I don't know if it's called that. I don't know if it's called Pizza 33. It's something. 33rd and 3rd has delicious, regular New York pizza. Uh, I'm sure they use the San Marzano tomatoes. I don't know beyond that what else is so special about it. You know, they say a lot about a lot of the food in New York, whether it's corned beef or pizza. They say it's the water you use. They say it's all about the bagels, too. They say it's all about the water, and uh, that may or may not be true. But I can tell you right now, I've had pizza all over the place. And if you want a regular New York slice of pizza, it's not too thin, but it's thin. I mean, that Chicago stuff, I don't even understand. I don't even understand how Chicago people can vouch and and fight for deep dish pizza. What is the point of that? Have you ever had a deep dish pizza? Try to try to if you can't pick it up, fold it and put it in your mouth, it's not pizza. You try to pick one of those things up? No. That's 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 a baked dish. That's a pie. It's basically like a literally a pie that you got to eat with a knife and fork that by the time you get to the crust, the crust is so inundated with, you know, the 16 pounds of sauce you put on it. And it's so thick and poofy that it's turned into like just like back to its dough form. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not into the Chicago deep dish pizza, and I don't understand legitimately. I'm a slob. I'll eat food anyway. I love the Chicago Italian beef. I'll eat that all day. I'll eat that. I'm not gonna hate on it because it's Chicago. I just don't understand the whole concept of deep dish pizza. Uh, but uh, pizza thirty three. So Jeff, definitely check out some gourmet. Pizzas, if you want to sit down, eat, you get a server, all that stuff, and you get some delicious pizza, go to Artichoke Basil because that is P3. 
pizza completely unique. It's its own genre, and it's delicious as hell. Or go to a New York, uh, real New York pizza place that you see off to the side, on a side street somewhere, mostly likely on a street, not an avenue. And, uh, you know, if you go to Sabaro's, Papa John's, uh, or any of those other places, turn the podcast off and don't listen to it ever again. Please. Thank you. Um, All right. Let's talk steak. I'm only kidding. Eat whatever you want, but I'm just making jokes here. Uh, Steak. Uh, To me, I'm a big steak guy as well. You have tears. And I'm going to leave some of them out. Because other people consider, you know, other steakhouses great, and uh, some of the people like the other ones, you know. Uh, but to me, there's there's uh, there's really three tiers with Outback and like places like that on the lowest. But to me, you have your really good dry aged steaks, and they just done to perfection at places like Del Frisco's, Sparks, Peter Luger's, Ben and Jack's, and Keen's. Also Wolfgang's, I'm sorry, Wolfgang's. And that's not Wolfgang Puck. That's Wolfgang Steakhouse. Uh, there's two locations, I believe, in Manhattan. Those are the best steaks. I'll repeat them. Del Frisco's, Sparks, Peter Luger's, Ben and Jack's, Keen's, and Wolfgang's. To me, if you're going to go have steak, have them. I, went, I took a girl to uh, Ben and Jack's once. And you're talking about some of the best steak you're ever going to have. The girl was from Detroit. Uh, Pittsburgh by way of Detroit and um, we sit down and they bring this steak out it is they do it right I mean you want to get good service some of these steakhouses they the service is just as good as the steak when you order your food you order you know what you should do is order the porterhouse for two three or four however many people you're with don't you know don't order anything but that and they come out and you order your sides when it's time to get your food they bring it out they put a, a saucer upside down on your table so that they can have access to the grease that comes off the steak. They chop the steak up. They bring it out to you chopped up. The plate, you can't touch. You'll burn, You'll get a seven-degree burn if you touch the plate. The reason for that, obviously, because they cook it in that, but also uh, a, a, a residual kind of benefit of that is if you want to keep cooking your steak, you can. So it comes out all chopped up, and then you take this piece of steak, and you could put it on the side of the uh, vessel that it comes in, which is just, a, I guess, a baking, the tempered baking baking dish, and you could hear the sizzle. And you can turn a medium rare or a rare steak into a rare, I mean, I'm sorry, a medium steak. Uh, this one girl I brought, she freaking told the waiter, can I get, can I get mine with blue cheese on it? I almost I, I was never I was never so embarrassed in my life. The best steak in the world you can get. The girl asked for blue. She wants to put wing salt, wing blue, chicken wing blue cheese on the steak. I was horrified. I'll move on. All right. So and then you get the lower tier, which is still really good steak. Uh, to me, a second tier down from that stuff is your Smith and Walensky's, your Capital Grill, and your Ruth Chris. Some people will tell you that Smith and Walensky's is should be put in that upper echelon. Not me. Um, what else? Shake Shack. Definitely got to get a Shake Shack burger. I don't know what they do to those burgers, but that's it. Just some of the best burgers. You know what's the underrated thing out of Shake Shack? Is the fried chicken sandwich. Get that too. All right, sushi. Now, sushi, you can get some of the best sushi in the world in New York City. You have uh, Nobu there. Chef Morimoto's over there, you know, running that place. And uh, the options are endless as far as sushi goes. To me... You want to try to get in Nobu? Then once you do get in, you're going to pay $150, $200 a person on the low end. And then you're going to get, you're going to walk out of the place hungrier than you were when you walked in. 
Forget about that. So to me, uh, a place called, and it's just a place that I like, two places I'll say, Tenzan on 51st and 2nd, and then Aquamarine. Uh, and that's also on 2nd Avenue, but it's right around near the uh, Midtown Tunnel, right around the 34th Street area. You know, you have the combo packages. You can get the boats. You can get really, really good sushi there for a really good price. You can fill yourself up. You can be in and out of there. You know, it's, 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 it's delicious. It's delicious sushi, and there's probably a bunch of places like that around in the city, but these are two places that I could vouch for that are delicious. Uh, sushi Time, too, owned by the same people as Aquamarine. Uh, but uh, really, really good sushi at a very decent price, and you can go in there. You don't have to wait two and a half hours for a table. You can get in. You can get out full, catch your movie, catch your show afterwards, go go to your club afterwards, whatever you want to do, and really, really having a, a good sushi meal in New York City. Want to talk Italian? Italian is a little tougher. Uh, I'm sure there are delicious Italian restaurants in New York City. I'm sorry, I know in New York City, but in Manhattan. But to me, if you're going to go Italian, that's another thing where you're going to go out of boroughs for. There's plenty of places in Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island, uh, Westchester, Staten Island, even Jersey. The Jersey has some of the best Italian food in the world. Really, North Jersey, forget it. Um, but you know, to me, Little Italy you can go to. But like I said before, I think a lot of those places have been so kind of just uh, – it's just – they're kind of like run-of-the-mill. And they're all good. If you want to have a decent Italian meal, you could absolutely go to uh, Little Italy and, and you could you – know, you won't complain about it. But what I recommend you do – you know, and Rails, Rails, you can't get into Rails. It's, you know, up in Harlem, uh, you know, celebrity spot, gangster spot, uh, probably more commercialized than anything now. But they have the uh, – yeah, you could see the sauce in most most grocery stores across the country. But I would recommend going to Italy. It's a Mario Batali spot. I think, where is it, 23rd Street and I think 5th Avenue. And what it is pretty much is a marketplace. You want to go in there and you can just try a bunch of stuff. You can order a bunch of stuff at a counter or you can get the sit-down restaurant experience. To me, that's what you want to do if you want to go Italian. Now, there's going to be a bunch of people that tell me, no, what about this spot, this spot, this spot, all of Manhattan. And I'm 100% admitting that you probably uh, – there's, there's no way around it. Yes, you can. But that semi-casual place where you know you're going to have good food and you know you're going to get your money's worth, to me – I mean, that's Carmine's. It's family style, and it's a little bit, you know, mass-produced. Uh, some people say, like, Buca de Peppo is kind of like that, but to me, Carmine's is definitely on a, on, a, on a higher level than that. Really, really good. You can, you, can really, you can really eat good at Carmine's. It's not, like I said, 100% fine dining. You could probably go to find a ton of places in Manhattan that have good Italian food, but I think what you're going to be dealing with mostly is overpriced, long waits, and low portions, small portions. And that's not what you want if you're a tourist. And that's not what you want if you're pretty much listening to this show. Um, go out of boroughs, though, forget it. Especially Long Island. Places like Mateo's. Uh, some, a bunch of places in Brooklyn. Uh, places in Queens. What's that? Oh, shoot. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a mental note. I'm going to have some names of some really good out of borough Italian restaurants for you. Uh Parkside. Parkside is a delicious one that's in uh, Corona, Queens, definitely. Um, there's some other ones, too. I'm going to make it. Remind me if you can. Write in, whatever. Put it on Facebook. Remind me about some of the Italian restaurants. Um, okay. 
What else? Oh, Coney Island. Definitely do Coney Island. This is a long-ass podcast, huh? That's all right. We're going to keep going. Fast forward if it gets boring or just turn it the hell off. <laughs> Coney Island is something you should absolutely do. I, did, I was trying to narrow this down to just Manhattan stuff, and I think I pretty much did for the most part. However, Coney Island takes you to a different time and a different place. When you go to Coney Island, it's almost like it's obviously a, 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 a bunch of rides it's not the state-of-the-art disney or universal rides but it does have rides that wonder wheel is awesome the cyclone you know you need a chiropractor for six days after you get on that thing it's a wooden roller coaster that you know basically for for a price you can knock your vertebrae out of line um done it done it plenty of times uh the bumper cars Tilt the Whirls, you know, they have a baseball team out there, minor league uh, Mets affiliate baseball team out there. They have concerts. Coney Island is like a village. And to me, that, if you want to get a real New York experience, real New Yorkers, go to Coney Island and you'll you'll see uh, it's a throwback, man. It really is. They got the Nathans there where you can get hot dogs, seafood, you know. But walking around Coney Island, the you know, you could get – it's great because you're going to see the street performers on the boardwalk. You're going to see, like, I remember one time we went. We did a staff outing. I just brought a bunch of people to Coney Island. And, of course, this was back maybe like maybe like eight, nine years ago. And uh, we brought a bunch of booze with us. And we just got in cabs and went to Coney Island. And uh, we had a bunch of drinks with us. When one, of, one of the people we were with had a uh, bottle of wine. And what's cool is that the rides, they all have – they're all – they're all throwbacks, and when you get on them, they got DJs. They got like they, they DJing the rides. So you're going around, you be, you're going on these crazy rides, and there's DJs, bumper cars, everything. They let it's not corporate, is what I'm trying to get at. Like one girl had a bottle of wine. She's on a bumper car. She they set her up in the bumper cars. We start going. We're driving around. We're crashing into each other. She reaches into her purse, pulls out a full bottle of Chardonnay opens it up, and takes a chug of it while she's driving. Now, this isn't bumper cars, okay? Not not, not on the freaking Bell Parkway, bumper cars. And this, I mean, talk about doing it for the story. This was hysterical, and the guy spent about all of 30 seconds trying to chase her down and grab this bottle of wine from her, because obviously it's not a <laughs> And then he said, screw it, and started laughing. He goes, ah, let her go. She's having fun. You can't get that anywhere else I've ever been. Then Coney Island right now. Same thing. We're pulling out beers on this uh, ride. Now, what's that ride that just goes around in a circle, but it goes up and down? It's like, I don't even know how to explain the ride, but you're sitting in a, like, almost like a car. You're sitting in like a little car, and then the thing just spins you the hell around, blasting current hip-hop music. Then it goes backwards, and then it goes forwards again. We're all just drinking business. Yeah, you know you're not supposed to be doing it. They're just laughing. They're laughing about us anywhere else in the country. They would have, you would have been thrown out of the park. Your face would have been printed out, put on the wall to never be let back in this freaking park again. You get that at Coney Island. And ever since then, uh, that was part of my staff outing. We would do a staff outing once a year. Every summer right around the 4th of July time, I would you know, ask my bosses if we can just kind of get a little $500 you know, allocation for a limo bus. And you know, it's expensive, so you can't do the whole thing all day. Just a one-way trip. I had to deal with this company. They would just drive us out there for 500 bucks. The bus could hold 20 people. 
and uh, you know, we would buy them a couple of rides. Booze would be free on the way because we would just take a bunch of cases. We'd blast music on the way from New York to Coney Island. Pending on traffic, it could be an hour and a half to two and a half hour ride because, again, transportation in New York, taking the Belt Parkway. And we had a blast getting there, and we had a blast there, and then everybody was on their own. You had to get back. You know, you want to take the subway, take the subway. A bunch of us would pair up for cabs. But Coney Island, and you're on a beach too. You're on a boardwalk, and you're on a beach. You could eat, you could drink, rides. A really, really good day if you're going to spend a summer day in Coney Island. It's it's phenomenal. That's where they do the um, Nathan's Nathan's hot dog eating competitions every year as well. All right, let's talk about if you want to get high in New York and you want to you want to get high. Where would you? Where's the best place to do that? Okay. First and foremost, you have the One World Trade Center. You see what I did there? I'm talking about observation decks. I'm not talking about drugs. Just so you guys know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not. I hate drugs. Top to bottom, I don't do drugs at all any time. Drink a lot, but there's no drugs around here. This is a drug-free podcast. One World Trade Center. So you have basically three main observation decks in New York City. You have One World Trade Center, and that is what used to be called the Freedom Tower. I don't know if that was politically incorrect or whatever, but they changed the name of the building to One World Trade Center. And uh, it's also, you could pair that up with the 9-11 Memorial Museum, which I still have not been to. I went to the old one, but then they did it up like real nice. They made it, it made just a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tribute museum to those that lost their lives and just the city as a whole. I have not been there yet, but I want to get there. And that is the newest and highest by far observation deck. You uh, go up, I don't know what it is, like 100 and something floors. Uh, some of the things you need to know about that is that it's definitely going to be crowded because it's the newest one. It's probably the most expensive one right now. And as high as you are and as cool as it is to be that high, you are inside. You don't necessarily uh, – you're not running around outside on top of that thing. I don't know why. I don't know if they consider it to be dangerous to be have an, have an outside option that, up that high, but you know it's inside. Um, they also have, if you're down there, some of the things you can do while you're down there is go to Battery Park. Battery Park is really, really cool, and they've done a lot of great things with just the general waterfront in that World Trade Center area as a whole. It's a real cool place to be on a beautiful day. Tons of uh, restaurant options, tons of sightseeing stuff, street performers, as well as uh, Battery Park. A really, really nice place to be. The problem is it's just way, 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 way downtown at the very bottom. You know, and if you're going to do that and you want to do the Statue of Liberty, you know, you got a few different things. It's hard because if you did for, for a few days, you can de- dedicate a day to downtown, which is the, uh, you know, that whole thing, Statue of Liberty, uh, Battery Park, World Trade Center. And then you could do a day Midtown, which is Rockefeller Center, Times Square, Theater District, uh, so on and so forth. Um, uh, what else is... Uh, what else is a downfall of that? So another downfall to that particular skyscraper and that observation deck, as cool as it is to be up that high and be such a historic place, um, you're a little out of the way of anything that's kind of cool to see. So you could still see really, really cool stuff, but it's got to be a real clear day. If you have any type of haze or fog, smog or clouds in the sky, it's really going to be hard because the, anything that's close is just a river. Uh, is just Jersey, is just uh, downtown Manhattan, which doesn't have a lot of buildings. Uh, so you, if you're going to do that one, you want to make sure you're okay with being inside and you want to make sure you go on a very, very clear day. Uh, what else? Okay, so another one you have is the Empire State Building. Empire State Building is awesome because it's still really, really tall. 
It's right square smack in the middle of the city. It's got an inside and an outside, and it's open very, very late. It's also the Empire State Building, right? It's like the most historic building in New York City that's around. Uh, King Kong thing, the whole, you know, it's featured in so many movies, and it just has this iconic, iconic uh, feel about it. The Empire State Building is the Empire State Building. You know, there's only one of them, and um, it's a New York City treasure. Uh, so that's really, really cool being on top of the new, uh, Empire State Building. And then the other one you have is the top of the rock. Now that's about going back to Rockefeller Center where we started. That is the uh, 30 Rock, pretty tall. It's definitely not as high as the Empire State Building, uh, but it is pretty tall, and it has a lot of cool modern features as you go up. A cool little movie on the ceiling of the elevator shoots you right up the stairs. It's really, really easy to get up and down. Uh, it's not too expensive, but, you know, they are going to bang you for, you know, I think it's like 35 40 bucks. Um, you know, the, the coolest thing about it is you can see the Empire State Building. Uh, if you're on the Empire State Building, it's pretty tough to get a good view of the Empire State Building. So if you want to see the Empire State Building, uh, and it, it, which is you know, again, a beyond iconic building in Manhattan, that's where you want to go. You want to go to the top of the rock. Uh, and plus, like I said, 34th Street's a little bit out of the way. Um, <clears throat> it's not out of the way, but there's a lot of shopping there. But Rockefeller Center is more proximately, proximal to, you know, a lot of activities that you want to do in that area, whether it's the theater district, whether it's the rink. Uh, it's much closer to Times Square. 34th Street's not like it's far, but it's a little bit more convenient to be at the top of the rock. They also have the NBC Studio Tours there. You can get a look at all the studios. You can see Saturday Night Live. You can see Jimmy Fallon. You can see the Today Show. You can see um, and many, many more. Um, also, cool thing is that the they're all open late nowadays. You know what I mean? They used to just kind of operate during business hours as more the demand for tourism as the tourism picked up in New York City in the late 90s, early 2000s, and more so in the late mid to late 2000s. They decided, you know what, let's start opening up till 12, 1. You know what I mean? So they're open late. Um, it's probably seasonal in that regard, but they are open late. So also the other stuff you could do. You know, you could do the museums, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Metropolitan Museum, the Museum of Natural History, uh, the Whitney. Uh, they're all cool. I'm not huge into museums, to be honest with you. I don't know. They seem kind of pretentious to me. Uh, and it's stuff. I'm not a big art guy. And I am a big history guy, but I'd much more rather learn about it, you know, and hear it, read it, see it on TV, rather than kind of just look at stuff Um and I'm more interested in like almost like modern history rather than, you know, dinosaurs and ancient things and stuff like that. So that's just me, whatever. Whitney is uh, American art. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what else? Oh, cool museum that I like. Again, you know, we're all cruise fans, so we're talking about being at sea. The Intrepid. It's right at the cruise terminal, and you see the Intrepid every time you leave the cruise terminal out of New York City. And uh, you'll get a good look at it, and it's you get to see aircraft carriers. You get to see the old Concorde. I don't know if you guys remember the Concorde that used to fly to France from New York in an hour and a half, basically, which is out of control. I don't even get that. They crashed once, and they discontinued the whole thing. I don't know. It was Concorde, man. Concorde was just... Remember the Concorde? You guys remember that? It was like you used to, we used to see it in the morning, you know, looking out our window. Like, that thing will be in Paris in an hour and a half, out of control. Like this supersonic jet that would... uh and it crashed once when it was in, it was in play for years then it crashed once and they just deemed it unsafe and didn't do it anymore um so that's in the intrepid you'll see a lot of uh, the intrepid was a former active battleship 
and uh, they'll see history of the Intrepid as, far as, as, as well as a bunch of other uh, militaristic stuff regarding, uh, you know, the Navy and, and ships at sea and just all, ba- ba- uh, you know, branches of the armed forces. Um, they also have the newish type of museums that are, like, cool or, like, little little kitschy. They have the Museum of Sex. Not trying to sound like a pervert, but, you know, that's become very, very popular. The Museum of Sex, people people go to that. Um, I don't know. I've never been there. Um to me, it's a little creepy. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. Um, I'm, I don't know. Maybe if I went there, I'd find it interesting. But at this point, no. I have no desire to check out the Museum of Sex and the Museum of TV. So if you've been to all the other museums and you want to come, those those two things are really kind of uh, they've they've over the last ten years they've really kind of become pretty mainstream. Uh, you believe it or not, people check those places out a lot could mention the basics you know obviously the statue of liberty the circle line a lot of people like to go see the high line when the weather's nice probably cool uh, it's not my thing either per se but a lot of people love the high line uh look it up if it sounds interesting uh to you uh staten island ferry uh, that's don't do that that's a pretty much a waste of time you go to staten island and back i mean if you're really on a serious budget it's a it's a used to be 25 cents. I don't know what it is now. It's probably not much more, but it's the absolute cheapest way to go from Staten Island to New York City. It's basically a transportation device. Some people do it. I went on a class trip once when I was in fifth grade. They took us to Staten Island Ferry, Staten Island and back. You go past the Statue of Liberty. You get a decent view, but not a great view. Uh, but it's cool. If you want to look at Manhattan from afar, if you want to be on the water for a little while, if you want to just basically say you stepped foot on Staten Island, you can do that. Do the Staten Island Ferry. There's really no reason to go to Staten Island. No offense, Staten Island people. Sorry. But, yeah, there's no real reason to go to Staten Island whatsoever. But Staten Island Ferry is okay if you really – but I would – just don't waste your time with that. It's a whole process, getting back and forth. you got to go all the way downtown to get on it. I don't know. I don't want to crap on the Staten Island Ferry, but – it's a real, real, real cheap way to just get a few minutes on the water, get a decent view of Manhattan, get to Staten Island and back real quick. Um, what else? South Street, South Street Seaport. As I've been talking for almost two hours straight and I'm starting, my mouth is starting to turn to jelly. South Street Seaport. That's a cool area to walk around. Nothing crazy to speak of. You can see how the, uh, you can see the fish markets and stuff like that and how they kind of operate. You could take some really cool historic tours. That is one of the oldest, oldest settled areas of Manhattan. So I bet there'd be some really, really interesting walking tours down there. We get some really, really good food down there, obviously. They have cobblestone streets, a lot of shops, uh, some uh, boat-type restaurants, and a cool little pier you could walk around on down there. South Street Seaport's cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock South Street Seaport. Again, it's not like, you know, not like going to Universal or Disneyland, but it's cool to walk around if you're going to end up going down that way anyway. Walk the Brooklyn Bridge, that's kind of cool. It's not, again, similar, but you're walking across one of the most historic pieces of architecture one of the most historic structures in the world at one point those uh what do you call them i don't know i have no idea what you call them but those things on a bridge that you know go all the way to the top basically the highest point of the bridge that at one point was the tallest structure in the city and the story i mean research this i'm not going to get into it now but the construction of the brooklyn bridge is just i mean one of the most fascinating new york stories or Stories, period, in the history, you're gonna you'll you'll learn that there's people in the cement blocks and how they had to weigh the bridge down and how they had to provide the bridge's foundation is just ridiculous. And the amount of people that died building that bridge, and to know that in the cement blocks that hold it up, there's 
people that were buried alive in there. That there's still, you know, their skeletons or the remains are still in there. Just crazy, crazy stuff. And if you get all the way across the bridge into Brooklyn, might be cool. If you want to say that you were in Brooklyn, there's a promenade area there where, you know, sometimes they do live music. They do shows. There's a bunch of food trucks. There's entertainers, street performers and stuff like that. Picnic area. And you get a great view of Manhattan when you're down there as well. You get a great view of lower, like the lower part of Manhattan. You know, this. Two real skylines in New York City as far as Manhattan goes. You have the Midtown skyline. Uh, you have Uptown, which is, you know, kind of flat. Uh, it's kind of parallel with the Bronx. And then when you get right around, you know, a little bit south of Central Park, you start seeing the Midtown skyline. And that goes to about, I don't know, 23rd Street or so. And then you get a big long break, which is the village and a lot of residential areas, a lot of industrial area, no skyscrapers. And then they start up again back right parallel with the uh, BMW bridges, which is the three bridges in a row, which is the Brooklyn, uh, Manhattan, and Williamsburg bridges. And you'll see the downtown where all the money is. So you have the, uh, you know, the financial cap- the financial district, the financial capital of the world. Midtown, those skyscrapers are financial, but they're more corporate in general, uh, just big, big, big corporations. And the financial, uh, financial and legal and stuff like that. I mean, they're downtown. Financial, the, the lower Manhattan is the financial capital of the world. Man, I am going on and on and on about... Oh, I want to say one other thing. Uh, the view. The restaurant, It's again, it's touristy, but in Times Square, you look for the Marriott Marquis Hotel. If you want to get a cool view while you're eating and or drinking, there's a revolving rooftop uh, ho- uh, bar called The View. It's in the Marriott Marquis, and I think you go up about 50 or 60 floors. You're not necessarily sitting on the top of the top, but you're very, very high up, and you're in a really nice hotel, and you're having some dinner or some drinks, and wherever you sit, you, you don't move, and during the course of your meal, you will have rotated around the entire uh, restaurant, and you know the floor rotates, and you'll, see, you'll have seen the whole thing. Um, what else did I have? I'm going to remember some stuff off of this. And you know what? I'm not going to do another hour and a half uh, conversation on New York City ever again. But I guess once I get rolling, I get rolling because, you know, after all, it is home. So and it is a port. Remember that. It's a cruise ship port. Oh, the final thing to do out of New York City ever, period, cruise. Take a cruise out of New York City. It's a little bit tough for if you're in town, if you have like seven or eight days in town uh, and you want to do a, a Caribbean cruise. You can't do that. But if you want to do a quick little getaway in the summer to Canada or if you want to do a quick little getaway to Bermuda, you can do that in, in less than a week. You know what I mean? There's, there's Canada trips that are four days and under. Um, you know, And I would recommend doing that because, like I said, there is no better sail await, in my opinion, than New York City. That is, I mean, going under that Verrazano Bridge is like nothing I've ever experienced sailing out of a port. Second is you know cruising into san juan but cruise out of new york city absolutely beautiful experience um what did i say i was going to do oh i said i was going to play one more time now this is where you want to turn the podcast off if you want if you've had enough but uh I'm going to play uh, the 12 Days of Cruzmas one more time. If you haven't heard it, please listen to it. If you like it, go find it on YouTube uh, and twi- type in the 12 Days of Cruzmas. Cruzmas is two words because I wanted to get that searchability for cruise. Um, or you can go to my YouTube page, which is Always Be Booked. And please check it out. Check out the video version of it and share the crap out of it. So 
We talked a little cruising. This was more of like a land conversation. Uh, talked about New York. I just felt it appropriate because I am going in a couple of days. And uh, also, it is the Christmas time of year, and I feel in my mind Christmas is uh, you know, at its best when it's celebrated in New York City. Ever see the movie Miracle on 34th Street? There are a lot of New York Christmas movies out there. We won't, we won't get into all of them. But again, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. Hope you guys have a really, really Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you're celebrating out there. Enjoy it. And again, thank you so much for listening. It's so appreciated. The numbers are still going up. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next time. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle towels and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me six dolphin swimming, five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven spa appointments, six dolphin swimming, five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight extra pounds, seven spa appointments, six dolphin swimming, five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Electric slides, eight extra pounds, seven spa appointments, six dolphin swimming, five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten hours of Wi Fi, nine electric slides, eight extra pounds, seven spa appointments, six dolphin swimming, five frozen shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean Sea. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eleven bingo cards, ten hours of Wi-Fi, nine electric slides, eight extra pounds, seven spa appointments, six dolphin swimming, five frozen drinks, four shore excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean on the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Twelve karaoke songs, eleven bingo cards Ten hours of Wi-Fi, nine electric slides Eight extra pounds, seven spa appointments Six dolphin swimming, five
excursions, three sea day brunches, two turtle towels, and a cruise to the Caribbean.